We have a lot of videos of the podcast and various other tutorials on YouTube. You can subscribe to our channel at mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash YouTube. Happy mixing and enjoy the show. One, two, three. Hello, and welcome back to Mixing Music. I am your host, DK, and today is a very fun episode. I want to talk about some thoughts about how to actually get better at mixing. Now, mixing is a craft. Some people see it as the necessary evil. It's not that fun. Some people see it as the only reason why they even record and make music, But the fact of the matter remains is that we all need to get better at mixing, whether you're an artist, a producer, obviously an engineer, um, or anything else. Getting better at mixing is one of those fundamental skills that will help you make better music. So how do you get better at mixing? And I have a few answers for that. Some of them may not be the best answers. You may not be happy with the answers that I give you. They may be oversaid. Uh, kind of cliche, but at the same time, I want to give some insights onto each of the different things. So number one is obviously practice. Now, practicing can include um, downloading free stems, recording your artists, and then sending them a mix or whatever. As a recording engineer, oftentimes you get the opportunity to do a rough mix. And if you they don't ask for a rough mix, then at the very least, you can use the files to mix them up for your own. You know, obviously you can't really share it, but the point is you have to do it a lot. Mixing a lot will help you get to understand the concept and the art of mixing. Now, I would say that at this point in time, if you're listening to this, there might be a point in time where you think you're really good or that you might say that you have a lot more to go. But the point is you don't really know how much more you have to go until you get to that point and look back in retrospect. So a good tactic to go along with this is to just always assume you can be way better and always, always, always be trying to level up your mixing skills, getting excited, learning new techniques, working with new artists. Yeah, finding new techniques is huge because what that does is it increases your arsenal of techniques. Let's say you know what this kind of compressor does on a kick. And some client asks, I want that kind of sound in my kick drum. Now you know, out of all the techniques that you learn and all the tools that you have, now you know this will work to get that sound, right? Maybe a producer or an artist that you're working with says, I want it to sound a little bit more distant. And for you, distant might mean reverb. Distant might mean the space around it. Maybe it's wideners. I don't know, but you have to use the arsenal that you have to understand where people are coming from and to give them what they want and to enhance their mix. So number one is do a lot of practice. Now, I think that there's websites like puremix.com, which gives you free um, stems that you can practice on. And sometimes they have competitions and whatnot. Good practice, great practice. But as well as like just learning on YouTube, finding techniques on YouTube for free, talking to friends. I mean, talking to friends is huge. People that are ahead of you in the game, that's huge. They have techniques and then take from them. And then when you learn techniques, practice them to understand what they sound like. Again, not not to steal them and do exactly the same thing, but why did they use the Poltec like that? Why did they use an opto compressor like that? Take the idea, take the sound that it makes, put that in your arsenal, right? Practice, 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 10,000 hours, 20,000 hours, whatever. You can always still be better. The second thing that I would say is, I think I already kind of gave it away, but studying on YouTube. Now, 
we could go into this argument and there could be a whole nother episode specifically about this, about whether or not you should go to school for audio. And I am here to tell you that you will learn more in 10 hours of YouTube than 10 years of college. Now, that might be a little bit of, of an over-exaggeration, but in my opinion, you don't go to school to audio to learn audio because by the time you get there, you're going to have to work on projects and the number one complaint from all audio and music students is, I wish I had more time to work on music. So you're going to learn a lot more from being an intern, an assistant to someone, going on YouTube and applying the skills than for going to school. But I will say school is still worth it for the networking, for the opportunities that you can get to meet people, to, you know, whatever it is, school is still worth it. And the cloud of having a diploma, whatever is still worth it. So don't quit school, but at the same time, realize you should not go to school to learn audio because everything that you can learn about audio, you can learn better from YouTube university, right? It's so abundant and there's so many skills. And I will say that there's so much information that's blatantly openly out there that sometimes it does get confusing. Um, Here's some general guidelines on what to know is total bullshit and what to know is really good advice. If someone says that this is a rule or this is exactly how every single pro does it or any of these things where it's an exact, like there's an exact way to do it and there's no other option, for example, you should high pass every track that's not the bass. Total, total, total bullshit. Complete nonsense. How about the idea of the rule of don't mono out the bass? Okay, total, total, total bullshit. You don't have to mono out the bass, right? So, I mean, specifically with that, the reason why it came up is with records when the mastering engineer who was making the baby mothers of the records, the pin would pop out of its groove if the bass was too wide. So they had an elliptical filter, which monoed out the bass, but we aren't making records, vinyl records anymore. So stereoizing your 808s actually sound kind of great. So there are no rules. So that's the number one thing. Another thing that you can avoid to know who's the bullshit talkers and who's the ones that are serious is a serious person and good advice is someone that shows you how to do a technique and doesn't tell you exact numbers. I see a lot of PDFs and graphs, which does help beginners. Like, here's the EQ spectrum. This is muddiness. This is boominess. This frequency is is the presence, whatever. All of that is, is helpful to some beginners to kind of like help figure out what frequencies mean what. But even stuff like that, nah, it's not, it, there's no right answers. There's no specific way to do things. And I don't want to go for, as far to say that graphs like EQ charts are total bullshit. I will go as far as to say though, that those are only helpful when you're just learning. I would say that those are only helpful for like your first 2000 hours. And then after that, not really helpful at all. In fact, it's kind of hindering to get stuck on the ideas that certain frequencies mean certain things. The idea that the PDF is trying to show you is how to be familiar with those frequencies. What does boxiness mean? So if I boost 500 Hertz on a kick drum, what does that sound? What does boxiness sound like? And it's helping you to teach the terms that we use in the industry. Now, I'm not saying that you don't use them, but at the same time, like you can cut out too much boxiness. It is possible to cut out too much muddiness and too much boxiness. It is possible to do so. So I will be very careful with those things. Uh, so another thing that you can do to learn is to honestly work in genres that you're not familiar with. Now, hear me out on this. Because I do a lot of hip hop, I'm very good at hip hop and R&B, right? Those urban genres, um, which kind of bleeds into I'm doing a lot of Afro pop recently. 
and some reggaeton. It's all kind of the same, similar cultures of music. But at the same time, when I get a rock drum kit or a rock vocal or whatever, it takes me out of my zone and it forces me to actually listen and not do similar techniques for every single song. And it forces me to listen to something, reference songs, and figure out how to make something work in something that I'm not super familiar with. So I have to like re-listen to, relearn, retrain my ears for a short amount of time to mix a rock record. And um, that being said, I don't get a lot of rock records because that's not my niche, but I get enough where I'm really grateful for the ones that I do get to you know stretch my skills to learn a little bit more and work with a lot of engineers from the rock industry that teach me techniques and skills. Again, going back to number one, teaching me techniques and skills that help me improve my R&B hip hop mixing, right? So I like going out of my way to mix genres that I'm not comfortable with to expand my skills and to take me out of my zone on purpose. Now, it might not be more fun because I enjoy R&B, like hip hop. Like I, I enjoy that a little bit more. But it, I can't deny that it makes me listen more and it helps me understand why I'm doing certain things. And more importantly, when I'm referencing rock tracks, like I'm referencing these new songs, I'm listening to new songs. So I'm listening to fit a different culture, a different mold. And so to be honest, I can't use the same techniques. Like, for example, in a vocal, 1.2-ish, 1 to 2K in a vocal in hip hop is typically not really present. Like you don't want a lot of that. But in a rock song, it's all about the mid-range. It's all about the mid-range. There's not a lot of low end and a lot of top end in a lot of other songs that you reference to. So not only do you have to figure out how to make the vocal sound good, but you have to make it sound good in a different frequency spectrum than you would for a hip hop or pop vocal, according to the culture of the genre, right? So it, it gets you out of your head. I really love that. Now, I will say that one of the best advice, and I'm totally sticking to it because I move into LA, Leslie said to me was sometimes the only way to get better is things that are not music, right? And for me specifically he said, it might be your location, but he also said a lot of things like, for example, like it might not even be your mix. Like the only thing that's keeping you from getting better mixes, I dare, I say, I have to be really careful with this, but it might be your equipment. Now, probably not your equipment, probably not your equipment, but it might as well, it might be your room, the acoustics again, probably not, but usually sometimes equipment and room has to be a part of how how your mixing is, right? Um, maybe what's stopping you that's outside of mixing is the fact that you're a dick. Like, honestly, if you're a douchebag, you're not going to get a lot of clients and you're not going to get a lot of practice and you're not going to hit your 10,000 hours plus if you're a dick because you're not going to get the clients. Like, I I'm sorry to say that, but you got to be nice. And the nicer you are, the more clients you get, the more practice you get, the better you get, right? Sometimes the things that's holding you back from doing a better mix is something superficial like... The fact that you're mixing really, really loud all the time and you never turn it down or the opposite. You keep it at the same volume the entire time or whatever, like, uh, or you're not referencing. Let's, I would say that after about, whew, how's about six to 7,000 hours in, which is funny because I still remember about how much I've been mixing at what point in time I was six to 7,000 hours in, I realized that I stopped referencing. I was getting good enough that I stopped referencing and, uh, because I thought I knew what songs, like what songs were supposed to sound like. But then I realized when I stopped referencing, I stopped getting better. 
And so it was about that point where I had to turn around and go back to referencing again. Like it wasn't even a mixing thing. It was the fact that I just wasn't listening to music. So a lot of things to consider. Sometimes that's not even the actual mixing. So overall, how to get better, practice, put in the hours, go learn, expand your arsenal. Again, not to learn the specific techniques, the specific, and use them exactly the same way, but to understand why an engineer did that or a producer did that. And put that in your arsenal, you know, in your, in your coat pocket so you can pull it out whenever. And uh, as well as to not remember that it's sometimes it's out of mixing and to follow good advice, right? And I think the cherry on top of everything is the fact that if you're young or if you haven't been mixing for a long time, it's going to feel like a long path. It might feel like this is taking forever, but you got to stay resilient and you got to stay patient, an artist might give you some harsh feedback on your mix, but whether you become a good mix engineer or stay a mediocre one is your response, is when someone gives you harsh feedback, are you going to respond and say, you're right, let me fix it? Or are you going to push back, right? Are you humble enough to learn? And if you're not humble enough to learn and take feedback, you will not become a great engineer. Now, some of us at the top, I, I put me in there. I'm not in the top at all. But you'll notice uh, a lot of the people that I talk about that are up at the top, that are winning Grammys right now, they're the nicest people ever. They're good human beings. Even Chris Lord Algie, who kind of looks like he'd be a dick, is a good human being that wants to answer your questions. Andrew Sheps is a good human being that wants to answer your questions. Like These people at the top are at the top because they're humble, easy to work with, and they're friendly. They're a good hang. And because of that, they get lots of clients and get lots of hours in and practice a lot. Now, if you want extra, extra practice and you want to go the extra mile, on my website, store.dkmixes.com, I have free videos for tutorials. But if you want to pay for the session, then you can actually get the stems to the actual songs I'm working on in the video. So you can practice and you can send me an email and get some feedback. Now, that is a great way to learn because not only do you get to learn the techniques, but then you get to try it out in your own way with your own tools and then get real feedback from me, like through email. So I think that that's a one really good way to practice and to learn. Just like Pure Mix, pretty soon I'm going to open up online a membership thing where you pay a yearly or monthly fee and every month I'm going to drop a new song with stems and we'll make it like a competition to hopefully get some sponsors and uh, for you to practice on, get some feedback on, to show everybody in the group and everybody that's also a member can, you know, give you feedback and you can compare and realize that, dude, out of the hundreds of people that are in this group, every single one of them sounds different. And that's kind of the beauty of mixing, right? There's, it's so infinitely I don't know how to say, like, not scalable, but it's so infinitely different. Like, every artist can hear something different. Every mixer can hear something different, and that's why it's beautiful. That's why it's so fun. So look forward to that. And you can check that out on my website again at store.dkmixes.com. As always, if you'd like some mixed feedback, uh, send me an MP3 or an email at dkmixes at gmail.com. D-E-E-K-E-I mixes at gmail.com. It is a super awesome resource for you to be able to use to get free mix feedback. Are you kidding me? I wish I had that, right? And to be honest, like I always brag about this, but I feel like I'm really good at mix feedback. So I'll help you feel good, but also figure, help you figure out what you need to work on. And not all the time do I know exactly what to do because I don't have your session in my hands. But at the same time, it's like, it's a resource you can use whenever you want. So feel free to hit me up if you want to do that. Thank you so much for listening. And, uh, 
I'm really excited for the future episodes. I'm really excited to move out to LA. I have some really cool guests that are coming out onto the show. Things are moving forward. I might get a couple sponsors soon. Cross my fingers. Um, we'll see what's happening. So happy mixing and stay saucy, my friends. One, two, three. <laughs> If you'd like to take advantage of my free guides and online videos, please check out links.dkmixes.com. That's links.dekeimixes.com. Are you trying to find the perfect distribution platform to get your music on Spotify and Apple? I personally use and love DistroKid. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash DistroKid to get a small discount and get access to a platform with unlimited uploads for a yearly fee. Happy uploading and enjoy the show.